0: listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Joey. And before we jump into this sermon, you know, looking at these verses uh, where Jesus is talking about fasting, I just wanted to make sure you know that I'm doing my best to apply it uh, today. So I've been fasting today. Uh, since just after second breakfast, and I think I might even be able to keep it up until noon or so. Um, just, I would have made myself, you know, look all, all gloomy and sad and hungry, you know, so that you all could tell, but since this is being recorded and going out on the internet, I didn't want that living there forever. Um, so I thought I'd just tell you. I wanted you to know so that I'd know that you know, and, and you would know. Anyway, you get it. So if there's anything you want to say, or like a round of applause or anything for me, that's, thank you. Thank you, because you know I'm doing this for you, right? I'm fasting for you. This is not about me. I'm fasting f- for you. Okay, obviously, I'm not really fasting uh, today. Not, not just because I woke up really hungry, but um, because it's a Sunday. And in the church calendar, Sundays are feast days. They're days of celebrations. We don't fast when there's a celebration. But if I were fasting and I had announced it to you all like that, I mean, I hope it sounded as ridiculous to you as it felt to me while I was saying it out loud. Did it sound ridiculous? Okay, good. Uh, So if it sounds ridiculous when we say it out loud, why doesn't it sound ridiculous when we say it silently? When instead of telling people, hey, I'm fasting right now, we just kind of, you know, go about like this and people say, well, are you okay? And it's like, yeah, I'm I'm just fasting right now. Just needed that little bit of respect from you all. So that you know how holy I am, right? I mean, if you don't tell people, how are they going to know? Well, I guess that's the question Jesus is addressing here in these uh, three verses that we're looking at. If it's not okay to announce it out loud, then it's also not okay to announce it silently by our actions. Uh, if, if you've been following along with this whole flow of the Sermon on the Mount where we've gone the last couple of months, uh, you'll remember we, we just finished a section of six Uh, Six examples, six ways that Jesus was showing us how to interpret the Old Testament law in light of the greater righteousness that he's calling us to. Uh, Greater righteousness is this kind of righteousness where he's saying, look, it's not just about your externals. It's not just about your external behavior being in line with the law. It's about your internal desires, your heart actually being oriented towards God and showing it through obedience to that law. So he said, Look, it, the point isn't like the Old Testament law says, don't commit adultery. That's, that's, you, should do, you should not do that. But also, there's something deeper there. Your heart shouldn't be given over to lust. He, he gave us six examples of how greater righteousness works itself out in the ways we keep away from sin. Well, the principle applies just as clearly, not just to keeping away from sin, but also to how we move toward God. So Jesus gives us three examples, sort of three representative personal pieties or devotional practices that were common in his day. He says, let's look at these three in turn, and let me show you how those need to submit to greater righteousness as well. If avoiding sin is more than just avoiding the behavior, it's more about your heart being wholly oriented towards God. Well, then moving towards God is also about more than just going through the motions or doing the form. It's about your heart being wholly oriented towards God. And so we're up to fasting, which is the third of these three representative examples. First, he talked about giving to the poor or caring for the needy, and then he talked about prayer, took a brief digression to show us what a model prayer looks like, and has now turned back to fasting. Now, as we jump into these three verses, Matthew 6, 16, 17, 18, uh, and look at a few more passages in Scripture, we're going to find out fasting is about more than just practicing restraint. That's, of course, a key element of it. It's not fasting if you're not practicing restraint. But most of the time, we tend to fast or practice restraint in order to be served by others. Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're fasting in order to serve others. Or to flip it over, put it the other way, fasting is about practicing restraint in order to serve others. It's not about practicing restraint in order to be served by others in one way or another. Let let me show you what I mean. So, Matthew 6, 16 through 18, we're going to jump in. If you haven't turned there already, if you want to grab the Bible under the seat in front of you, we're on page 964, where Jesus is tackling fasting. Verse 16. He says, And when you fast, he's starting this third of three examples in the same way he started talking about giving to the poor or praying. So, when you do this, assuming you're going to do this, when you fast, Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Now, fasting uh, as a practice, as a religious practice, was a huge part of the culture of Jesus' day. Uh, In a whole range of ways, people would voluntarily restrain themselves from eating, or sometimes even from from drinking anything, water even, uh, for a whole range of particular purposes, Uh, Some of the fasts that people would partake were mandatory and were nationwide, kind of like a, you know, national holiday, uh, Day of Atonement or the Jewish New Year. Everyone would fast. Uh, Sometimes a special fast would be called if there was a matter of great national concern, um, if the rains in the fall didn't come. Uh, Then authorities would say, hey, we're calling a national day of fasting and prayer to appeal to God to send rain. Other times, uh, individuals could decide to fast on their own for a particular moral uh, reason, for practicing religious self-discipline, showing repentance before God, uh, sometimes in preparing for ministry or a season of ministry, or uh, as a way of bringing an important request before God. But the uh, strict Pharisees who are often throughout Matthew and especially in the Sermon on the Mount kind of the target of Jesus's condemnation, the strict Pharisees had a regular practice of fasting at least twice a week, uh, usually Mondays and Thursdays. But they didn't fast for themselves. I mean, though they did refrain from eating themselves, they didn't fast for their own benefit. They fasted for the benefit of the the community. Uh, There was sort of a... um, sort of a social contract almost, an understanding here that, hey, because the religious elite, the Pharisees are fasting for us, the rest of us don't have to. They're fasting to uh, sort of gain God's blessing or God's, fa- God's favor on the whole community. And so it was important for these guys, for these Pharisees, not just to regularly practice the fast, but to be seen fasting, because a lot of the religious and spiritual authority came from from being, you know, understood as regularly participating in all these practices. So if you are kind of you know if you're fasting on behalf of a community they need to know that you're fasting in order to know that you're doing it for them so that they know it's happening it's kind of like when we tell people like hey i'm praying for you whether you tell them or not your prayer is just as sufficient but you say hey i'm praying praying for you so that they know they're being ministered to by you that you're appealing to god on their behalf so the pharisees I mean, they had to show somehow that they're fasting and you know you blow trumpets when when you're giving and you pray on street corners to show you're praying well to show that you're fasting, uh, you make it look like you're, you're hungry. <laughs> and side note, can you imagine being the one Pharisee who doesn't look like he's fasting on a Monday or a Thursday? Right, there's a huge amount of pressure to, for everybody to, to do this uh, all together. Now, the way Jesus describes uh, the way they would look in verse 16, he says these guys would look gloomy or uh, sullen or somber, pained, some other translations put it. And they would disfigure their faces. Now, that, that doesn't mean physically mutilate. Uh, disfigure is, a, uh, other than putting ashes on their head and uh, wearing unwashed clothes and things like that, disfigure is a word that means uh, to make invisible. Um, actually, it shows up a couple of verses later in verse 19. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or disfigure or bring to invisibility. Another way you could put it maybe here in verse 16 is uh, they make their faces look all eaten up by their fasting. So the, so the people will, will know, will be able to see and recognize them for their spiritual service. So there's a whole ritual to it. The ashes, the dirty clothes, they go about all their normal tasks, but, but they would look like your seven-year-old does when they're trying to get out of school. Right? Like, oh, my stomach hurts, you know. And all day would look like that, so that, hey, you see them and you're like, okay, this guy is serving God on our behalf. Now, all three of these uh, examples of personal devotion or devotional practices, spiritual disciplines that Jesus highlights here, uh, all three of them, we've tried to make sure to point out that the problem isn't that people are seen when they do the practice. The problem is, is when people do the practice so that they're seen. You see the difference, right? Because in each of these cases, it's so easy to slide from wanting to care for the poor to wanting to be seen as someone who cares for the poor. Or to slide from being someone who wants to pray to wanting to be recognized as someone who prays. From wanting to fast to wanting to be acknowledged as someone who fasts and being seen for our piety. What makes this so dangerous is that all of these personal practices, and, and many others we could list, they all serve kind of a dual purpose in the life of a, not just an individual, but a community. Individually, they connect you with God. They open you up to what God is doing in the world, of course, but as a whole, When they're done publicly they also kind of set the standard for the community's religious observance there's a bit of a paradox going on here because on the one hand it's it's not good to do these things in public in order to be seen it's doing it for the wrong reasons at the same time it is good when these things are done in public and are seen It sets the bar for what religious behavior looks like. Or or it sets the example. It shows others who are younger in the faith what it looks like to follow Jesus in these particular devotional practices. But you can see how those two things together, one author puts it this way he says, This is a recipe for disaster. Because how soon, you know, how easy does it make it for those pious practices to get directed toward God? And then turn and become directed towards establishing your own position, your own safety, your own security within a society or a church family or a congregation. See, fasting and, and praying and giving to the poor are all good things that Jesus expects his followers to do. And he expects his followers to encourage one another in doing them and instruct one another in how to do these things. But it's so easy for Our practice of fasting to shift from connecting with God to showing others how to connect with God to showing others that I'm connected with God. You see the progression. Because what fasting is, is a whole lot more about restraining yourself, practicing restraint so that you can serve others. Not practicing restraint so that you can be served by others, or so that others can serve you. That's why the hypocritical action that Jesus targets is so bad looking at verse 16, you've noticed he's used the word hypocrites over and over and over again. He uses it all throughout Matthew. When, when Jesus uses the word hypocritical, though, he doesn't use it in the way we normally think of, where we're thinking of like somebody who says one thing in public and then does the opposite in private, right? The, the, the politician who um, publicly enforces COVID restrictions and then parties at home, right? That's hypocritical. Jesus would have some things to say about that, but that's not the kind of hypocrisy he's addressing right here. Uh, this is the kind of hypocrisy of the person who says the right things and does the right things, but for the wrong reasons. He's addressing, he's targeting the person, I mean, more like, more like me, right? Someone who picks up and cleans up and tidies up around the house, not as an expression of love and care for the people that I live with, but because I just don't want to hear, am I the only person who cares that we live in a pigsty again? I mean, hypothetically. (laughs) See, going around all all gloomy when you're fasting, all unwashed and dirty, all looking like a seven-year-old trying to get out of school, eaten up by her devotion to God, all so that other people will see you and think well of you and of your piety, that's the kind of hypocrisy that Jesus is is targeting. Because when you fast in that way, you're not doing it to serve others, you're doing it to serve yourself. And when you use fasting in that way, you're violating the fundamental nature of what fasting is. This has been true of all three of the examples he's, he's brought up. Uh, part of what makes the, the, the gloominess and the, the disfiguring of your face when you fast so bad is that it, it's a violation of the fundamental nature or the, or the purpose of fasting uh, itself. To highlight the fact that you're fasting by looking miserable violates the main reason why you're fasting in the first place. Like I said, it's been true of all three. You know, if prayer is about getting to know God, experiencing God, knowing the, the mind and the heart of Jesus, then using the forms of prayer or the patterns of prayer in a public way so that others see you and think, you know, think well of you, think you're a righteous uh, prayer, short circuits the reason you'd pray in the first place. Prayer is about getting to know God, except you've, when you do that, you make it about performing for others so that they supposedly get to know you. Except it's not even a real you. It's a fake you. It's a facade that you've put over yourself. If real righteous prayer is laying yourself out transparently before God, hypocritical prayer is layering yourself with an image, a facade that you lay out supposedly transparently before other people. It's true of giving to the poor as well. If giving to the poor is about using the gifts that God has given you to love and care for other people, then when you announce your giving ahead of time, you are using the gifts that God has given you, or you're spending the gifts that God has given you in order to use people to serve yourself to gain social standing or respect or honor or recognition. In, in true charity, you give someone something of value so that they can gain. In the kind of hypocritical charity that Jesus is targeting, you are spending something of value so that you can gain. The same sort of fundamental violation of, of purpose is, in effect, when we... When we gloomerize ourselves like these hypocrites do when we make sure everyone can tell that we're fasting you know that quick rundown earlier of why people in jesus's culture uh, would fast uh, we we hit a couple of reasons usually fasting was a way of showing a, a level of personal commitment and devotion uh, to God. Oh, oh, people would talk about a way of, of subtra- you know, kind of human subtraction so that God can do some divine addition, uh, so that he can add to your life and your experience of him. Of course, there were people who tried to use or manipulate fasting in a wrong way, trying to use it to get God to do what they want, right? Like, God, I'm really concerned about this thing that's happening, so I'm going to fast so that you come through for me, right? So that you respond in the, in the right way to this, this concern that I have, Of course, whether the concern is good or not or what God would want to do anyway matters little when the means of trying to get there is, you know, manipulating God, trying to make Him an accomplice to your own plans. It never works. Now, it's good to use fasting as a way to intentionally uh, come to God in prayer, This is the way we we usually tend to to talk about it, to deny yourself uh, some basic need, food or something like that, uh, to capitalize on the hunger that you feel, to remind yourself God alone can satisfy, uh, to point yourself towards Jesus or to to seek out God kind of single-mindedly on some particular issue on behalf of yourself or, or others. But I noticed this week in uh, all the reading that I did about fasting itself and the ways that fasting has been practiced throughout the centuries in the church and in Judaism before, that most of, most of today's, or people writing today on fasting kind of stop there at, at what fasting can do for you. Are you feeling disconnected from God? Try fasting. You might come away with it with a, a heightened sense of spiritual clarity, You know, are you feeling like uh, you're pretty anxious about something coming up in the future? Well, try fasting. If you fast and pray, then God is guaranteed to answer your prayer. If you feel lack of joy in your life, try fasting. Fasting brings joy. If you're facing financial problems, try fasting. God will answer your prayer. Over and over and over again, I read about how fasting is, uh, well, one author called it spiritual dopamine. Actually, he said spiritual heroin but uh, you get the effect. Um, It's kind of a spiritual heroine to give yourself a a, a quick fix of Jesus. I'm going to fast so I feel closer to God. That's the point. That's kind of a point of fasting, but it's also fasting at its, its shallowest level. And when you think about it, it's not all that different from what Jesus is condemning in Matthew 6. He's saying here, look, these guys are fasting and making sure people know so that they can serve themselves. It's probably not any better for us to fast in order to get God to, you know, do what we want him to do or in order to uh, walk away from the experience uh, feeling like, well, I took a break from food for a little bit and now I feel even closer to God than I did before. Obviously, it's not bad to be closer to God or to feel closer to God, but that's sort of the the, the shallowest level at which we fast. Because fasting, the way Jesus is talking about it, is not about restraining ourselves from eating or something else in order to serve ourselves. It's about restraining ourselves so we can serve others. Fasting for compliments, or fasting in order to fish, as one author put it, for those compliments is just a way of using what God has said will draw you closer to him and serve the people around you, except you're using it so the people around you will serve you. Jesus goes into a little more detail in verses 17 and 18. See, in 16, he said, look, if you fast like the hypocrites do, making yourself look gloomy and all eaten up, well, you know, people who do that have already gotten all the reward they're going to get. But when you fast... Again, assuming that we're all going to do this, when you fast, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to anoint your head and wash your face. Now, this isn't an over-the-top, extravagant sort of dolling yourself up. This is the normal thing you would do to clean up in the morning uh, or in the evening. He's saying, when you fast, take a shower, comb your hair, put on deodorant, wear makeup. Like, just look normal, like you're going about your normal day. In order that, verse 18, your fasting won't be seen by others, but by your father who sees the things that you are doing secretly. He's saying, look, when you fast, don't let your outward appearance betray your inward disposition here. That you should look full on the outside, even if you feel empty on the inside. When you fast, don't fast in order to be seen by others. Fast in such a way that you can only be seen by God. So, if you, or if I, or if his, you know, original hearers as he's preaching this struggle with, you know, wanting people to to know when we're fasting, struggling with wanting people to know when we're practicing, you know, any spiritual discipline, uh, whether it's prayer or giving to the poor, whether it's celebration or Sabbath or Bible memorization or fasting… Then Jesus, just like he did with prayer and with giving to the poor, says, here's something you could try that's going to reveal to yourself whether or not you have a problem here. Do it secretly. Do it, but don't let anyone know. Because fasting... A lot like prayer, a lot like giving to the poor. Fasting is about practicing restraint to serve others, not so that others will serve you. It's why fasting with the right attitude is such a big deal. We tend to think that fasting is just not eating for a little while. Then we take a break from eating for a day and then, then go back to it. But fasting is not just taking a break from eating any more than feasting is just eating a lot. Both involve the love of neighbor and community and the people that are around you. Fasting is about more than just taking a break from food, and it's about more than just hearing from God or finding an answer to a problem. When Jesus talks about fasting and the way he condemns, especially hypocritical fasting, same thing with prayer and giving to the poor, he's standing right in line with so many of the Old Testament prophets who are condemning the wrong kinds of fasts. We don't have time to turn to all the passages. We could look at Joel 2 or Zechariah 7, but Isaiah 58 is probably the clearest, and the clearest evidence that uh, in the Old Testament and still continuing here, the people that Jesus is preaching to tended to think of fasting like it was a merit badge you could earn. You know, do it correctly enough times and God's going to give you credit for it where everybody can see. But in Isaiah 58... God speaks to the nation of Israel, and He puts some words in their mouths. He says of them, you know, the people are lamenting. Why don't you notice when we fast? God, we're down here fasting for you. Why haven't you noticed? Why don't you pay attention when we humble ourselves? And then God responds to the question. I'll paraphrase this a little bit. Isaiah 58, he says, well, the reason I'm not paying attention when you fast is that you're fasting, but you're not fasting in the way I'm looking for. He says, when you fast, you fast to satisfy your selfishness. You oppress the people that work for you, and you fight, and you argue all day long. Fasts, like that, don't make your voice heard in heaven. He says, do you really think I want that kind of fasting, the kind where you humble yourselves and bow your heads and you do the whole sackcloth and ashes thing? He says, no, the kind of fasting that I'm looking for is the kind where you remove the sinful chains, where you tear away away the ropes of the burdensome yoke, where you set free the oppressed. You break every burdensome yoke. He says, the kind of fast I'm looking for is a fast where you share your food with the hungry. You provide shelter for the homeless and the oppressed people. When you see someone naked and you clothe them, the kind of fast I'm looking for is the fast where you remove the burdensome yoke from among you and you stop pointing fingers and speaking sinfully. The kind of fast I'm looking for, God says, is the one where you're actively helping the hungry and feeding the oppressed. That's the kind of fast I want. I was reading a number of different sermons on this passage and on the topic of fasting as a whole this past week and ran across one of the early church fathers Preaching a sermon on fasting and applying Isaiah 58 to his congregation, he said, it's not really a fast if you refuse to devour meat, but instead you devour one another. That's not a fast. He said, it's not a fast when you abstain from wine, but you don't abstain from arrogance. It's not the kind of fast that God is looking for. He says, you can wait until evening to eat some food but it does you no good if you spend all day judging each other. It's not the kind of fast God is looking for. The kind of fast that God is looking for that Jesus commends to us is not a a fast where we serve ourselves. It's a fast where we serve others, where we practice restraint in order to serve others. Fasting, in its highest form, or, or maybe its deepest form, is it's not about just abstaining from food for a short period of time, one day, five days, 40 days, whatever, you know, so that you personally can achieve a higher level of spiritual clarity or hear from God on some issue, only to go back to normal eating when you're done, fasting, according to the the whole of Scripture and the way especially the, the early church understood it, fasting in its highest form is about voluntarily restraining from the use of consumable resources, food in this case, so that you can use those resources so that they're freed up in order to bless others. Another author on the spiritual disciplines says fasting is about sacrificing what we would eat so that we can give it to those who need it. Fasting is about practicing restraint in order to serve others, uh, not ourselves. So, I mean, what do we do with that? And how do, we, how do we practice that kind of fasting in the few minutes that we have left I mean, the first, I suppose, and maybe obvious question is to ask ourselves: You know, do I ever fast? Do I, I use fasting as part of my uh, spiritual disciplines toolkit in, in order to uh, draw closer to God, to become more aware of the needs in the world, in order to exercise uh, self-restraint, so I can give that that uh, desire over to God for Him alone to satisfy. And if the answer is no, that's fine. And maybe it's time to, to consider, maybe God is calling me to learn something more about this practice of fasting. There's a lot of folks that could help you with a, sort of some easy first steps on that. Come talk to me afterwards uh, if you want. But if you're already someone who regularly practices fasting, or you fasted as part of a season, uh, Lent, for instance, or you fasted as part of a of bringing concern to God, maybe it's time to add some layers to your fasting Layers that point more towards this greater righteousness that Jesus is calling us to. Because there's multiple layers to how we fast and how deeply that fasting can derive into our hearts. You know, the, the most surface level uh, form of fasting is just a, a, taking a break from acquiring things. Taking a break from acquisition of stuff. Right? You, you fast for a season from... Uh, Retail therapy, buying, buying new clothes, new tools, new toys, new books, what, whatever your thing is. Uh, you forego maybe your, your morning coffee or something like that. Just as like say, hey, I don't need to, you know, acquire this thing in order to feel happy throughout the day. That's, that's kind of the surface level of, of fasting. The next level down is where you take a break, you abstain from consuming things. You know, the things that are a normal part of your regular day that, that you need as a human being, you, you take a, you know, a temporary break from those things in order to remind yourself like, hey, I'm, I'm going to not, you know, eat breakfast for a week because, I, somebody said somewhere, man does not live by bread alone. And I'll use that hunger as a way to remind myself to come to God when I have a need. You're refraining from consuming. But kind of the the deepest level of fasting is when you refrain from consuming in order to free up those resources to be given to someone who needs them and doesn't have them. You refrain from eating so that you can share that food with someone else. You refrain from spending so that you can use that money for someone else's benefit instead of your own. There's all sorts of ways you can uh, restrain yourself in order to give away more of yourself. This is the kind of fasting that Isaiah 58 and, and Matthew 6 and Matthew 9 that Jesus commends to us. And it's the kind of fasting that he's just drilling in on these Pharisees for for violating. Supposedly, these guys, the religious elite, were fasting on behalf of the people, right? Restraining themselves as a way of gaining favor with God so that God would bless their communities. But they refused to themselves be that blessing. It's like going up to someone you see is starving and needs food and saying, hey, I'm fasting today. And they're like, great, would you mind sharing the food you're not eating? Oh, no, 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 God's going to provide. If we jump ahead to Matthew 23, Jesus condemns these guys for exactly this. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites, because you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law you know, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. You ought to have done these things without neglecting the others. Fasting publicly in order to, you know, garner God's favor or get favor from other people, to get social standing in front of other people is one thing, but it's useless if you're not actually serving the people, No, no, I'm fasting on your behalf, so God would bless you. Well, have you thought about blessing me? Because you have the food I need. That's the kind of fast God is calling us to. But the fast that they're doing, it had the opposite effect of what they wanted. They didn't get God's praise. They got Jesus' condemnation. So when we fast, maybe thinking about this for us today, when we fast, when we voluntarily restrain ourselves from acquisition or from consumption, are we doing it? Are we just taking a break and then coming back to it a couple days later? Or freeing up ourselves and what we have in order to be used to serve others? Another, uh, Another church father put it this way. He said a person isn't fasting to God, they're fasting to themselves when what they withhold from their stomachs for a time, they save to give to their stomachs later. Or to put it another way, if you fast and at the end of your fast, the fridge is still full, we miss the point of the fast. We've missed the kind of fast that Jesus is calling us to. Now, i got to admit, I've never fasted that way. Never even considered it until I decided to read a whole bunch of what people had written about fasting and realized, oh, wait, it's not about just me hearing from God. Like, there's actually love of neighbor as part of this. It's, it's almost as if Jesus believes that our life with God, that we live with him, is supposed to, like, have ramifications out in the world. It's supposed to work itself out in our communities and the people that we're with. Uh, almost like, th- you know, the way we love our neighbors is by restraining ourselves so that we can serve them instead of displaying ourselves so they can serve us. I don't know why this has never occurred to me before, <laughs> but I guess I've got some learning to do about Fasting. I want to fast and use it to get to know God, to see my own heart's desires laid bare in front of me so I can address them before God. That's good, but it's just the beginning. I want to fast when important things are happening so that I'm, I, every time I'm hungry, I'm reminded, pray, seek God's will on this issue. Not that I can manipulate God into doing what I want, but at least to remind me to over and over again go to God with, a, with whatever this concern is. And that's good, but we can go deeper. The kind of fasting that greater righteousness calls us to is a fasting where we voluntarily empty ourselves so that someone else can be filled. Does that sound like anyone else that you know? Does it sound like someone else who voluntarily emptied himself on our behalf so that one day... When his kingdom returns, there will be no more emptying. But only filling when we will feast in the presence of Jesus forevermore. When he is ours and we are his forever. We fast today because one day fasting will end. And we will feast. Father, fill us. Fill us with your love for us in the face of Jesus Christ. Fill us with the knowledge of your goodness to us. Fill us with the things that that will ultimately satisfy. No matter how many appetites I ruin, there's another one right behind it. So, Father, save me from fulfilling myself that I may be fulfilled only in you and empower me to empty myself that others may be filled. And help us to do this because your son has done it for us first. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.